Good morning, Encounter. Welcome once again to Open House Sunday. Before we open up God's Word, let's say a word of prayer together. Father Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word, that your word always achieves the purpose for which it's sent. And we pray, God, today that you would send your word into our hearts, that it would transform the way we think, the way we see others, the way we see ourselves, and that it would allow us to draw closer to you. I pray today that this word would bring life and that, God, you would remove any impediment for our hearing of it. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever gone on a road trip? Maybe sometime this past summer you went on a road trip. And usually when you're on a road trip and you're driving in the car, whether it's with your friends or your family, somebody um, usually gets hungry at some point and says, hey guys, when can we just stop at the, at, on the side of the road and get some food somewhere? And you, there in Ontario, there's these things called on routes where you can stop and there's usually like a Tim Hortons or maybe a Harvey's, a Starbucks, there's um, different little restaurants inside. Um, that you can get quick food from and then head back out onto the road. Now, imagine you're in this car with um, a bunch of your friends and the ones sitting in the back say, hey, we're hungry, can we get some food? Now, how many of you would say, sure, yeah, let's do that, and then pull off onto the side of the road where the sign is telling you where the restaurant is coming up and then just stand there and wait <laughs> as if that sign is the restaurant. You don't go to the sign that says Tim Hortons uh, in five kilometers and expect there to be sandwiches or coffee. No, you have to actually go to Tim Hortons to, to get that food. And in the same way in our passage today, the people are looking for a sign. They want a sign. They don't actually want the reality. And so let's dig in that into that a little bit today as we read into John chapter 6. Now the context of this is the very famous gospel story that all of you know about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And at the beginning of John chapter 6, Jesus is with the people and he's teaching and teaching and teaching and, and the disciples are hungry and the people are hungry and the disciples come to Jesus and said, what are we going to do for all these people? We can't feed all of them. Even if we were to work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to be able to provide food for all of these people, all of your disciples, all the ones in the crowd who have come to listen to you. And if we send them home, it's um, quite a journey and they might faint along the way. And you don't want that, Jesus. So what are we going to do? And so what Jesus does is he says, okay, show me what you have. And all they have is um, these little loaves of bread and these two fish. And he takes the loaves and he breaks them and he prays and he gives thanks for them. And then they multiply. And it multiplies so much that not that everybody could have a little crumb or a little bite of the bread or fish, but he multiplies it so much that they ate all that they want, that they're stuffed. <laughs> they don't want anymore to the point that there's 12 basketfuls left over. And it's this incredible miracle it's a miracle that each of us, I'm sure if we could get in a time machine, would want to go back and visit. It's definitely on my list of things I'd love to be have been a part of or seen. He takes and makes bread out of these tiny little loaves, tiny little like loaves for a schoolboy. And all of a sudden it's enough to feast on for an entire group of 5,000 men and 
So they didn't count women, unfortunately, at that time. So it was probably, scholars say, around 20,000 people, including women and children. And that's a lot of bread. <laughs> that's more than Panera Bread or uh, Tim Hortons can keep up with or the grocery store. That's a lot. And yet Jesus is able to easily just give thanks and this bread multiplies. And all the people are incredibly amazed. They eat all they want. And then Jesus and his disciples um, go to a new area. So his disciples get into a boat. Jesus goes off by himself. And then he ends up walking on, on, on the water. And it's this whole moment. And then we get to the other side. And on the other side, this crowd of people that have tasted this bread that really enjoyed this like fresh baked bread from heaven, <laughs> they're, they're saying, hmm, I want more of that. We're hungry. We, we ate yesterday, but today we're hungry. And in that time period, 85% of your income went to these daily food needs, these daily survival needs, 85%. So they're thinking, hmm, I got a free meal yesterday. Let's find that Jesus character and see if we can get a free meal again today. And so they go looking for Jesus. And that's the context where we find ourselves here in John chapter six, starting at verse 22. It says, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. Okay, let's pause the action here. So the people are coming to Jesus because they want more physical bread. They've tasted and they've seen that this bread was good, like a restaurant that you go to and you tell your friends about it after and say, oh, we ate there. The food is so amazing there. You should go. You should try it out. They're kind of like um, bread evangelists <laughs> instead of Jesus evangelists. Hey, I got a free meal yesterday. It was really great bread, like really fresh and crispy and uh, and soft inside. You should you should come. You should come eat some. And so this whole crowd is searching for Jesus. 
And, and in that context, Jesus tells them, I am the bread of life. So we're going to look at that phrase, I am the bread of life, and break it down a little bit in terms of what we can learn here today. There's this this chapter is so rich, we could spend months kind of unpacking it, but we're just going to look at that one phrase, I am the bread of life. This word, I am, we've been looking at that over the past several Open House Sundays. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And today, I am the bread of life. This word, I am, Remember, it reminds us, it's a reference directly back to the Old Testament where Moses was asking God, how can I, how can I lead your people if I don't even know your name or who you are? Who do I tell them sent me? And God says to him, I am that I am. Now, there was a Greek translation of the Old Testament that was done in the intertestamental period. So in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, some Greeks translated the Old Testament. And in Greek, they wrote that word, I am that I am, that God spoke to Moses, God's name. They wrote it in Greek saying ergo or ego, ami. Ego being I am and ami also being another um, word of identity, I am. Ego me in the Old Testament translated into Greek. So the original Old Testament is in Hebrew. The Greeks translated it. It is called the Septuagint. And it's ego me as the grammar. Okay. So when Jesus comes to say, I am the bread of life, he uses this exact same grammatical phrase. Ego me. I am, I am the bread of life. Now, this is a reference back to God in the Old Testament saying, I am that I am. Jesus is essentially saying, I am that I am the bread of life. This points us to God's all-sufficient power, God's name, that Jesus is God, that he claimed to be God. John's whole gospel points to this over and over and over again, that Jesus is not just a man. But Jesus is God and he's making that claim. And it would have been obvious to his first hearers. I am that I am the bread of life. He's not just a good prophet or a wonderful teacher or a good person, a man. He's God. And he's letting the people know, I'm not just a God, one of many. I am the God, capital G, God. I am that I am. The same God who led you through the wilderness, who fed you manna in the wilderness. That's the same God here and now. There was a popular understanding at the time when Jesus was here physically on earth that a a prophet would be raised up, that a prophet like Moses would come into the world, that this was um, sometimes uh, associated with the Messiah, a messianic prophecy, but also just this expectation that people had, that God would raise up a prophet like Moses who would come into the world and provide bread from heaven. We see in Deuteronomy 18, 15, says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, and this is Moses speaking, from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. 
And there was a first century saying that went along with this scripture that said, as the first redeemer caused manna to fall from heaven, so will the second redeemer cause manna to fall from heaven. And so the people are waiting for a prophet like this. And when Jesus is able to multiply bread from bread, from bread, from bread, from bread, it, it, it makes them curious about this. They say, could this be the prophet? Um, John chapter six, verse 14, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. And then they tried to make Jesus king by force. They say, you must be the prophet. You must be the one. You must be the one who's going to save us from Roman oppression. You must be the one who's going to establish Israel once again as a mighty kingdom. We're going to make you king. And Jesus slips away, it says. He just disappears. He, he gets out of there. He doesn't, he's, this is not how you're going to make me king. You misunderstand my kingdom at this point. And so they try to make him king. They come and look for him the next day. He says, not because they're looking for him, not because they realize he's God, but because they think this is the prophet who's going to save us. They misunderstand Jesus completely. See, we can sit in church week after week after week and hear sermon after sermon after sermon. And it might even be really good sermons. I hope some of them are. <laughs> but sometimes we can misunderstand what we're hearing and misunderstand what we're learning. We're not just learning rules to live by in a religious order. We're not just learning about some guy who lived a long time ago named Jesus and um, that's it. No, Jesus is God and that changes everything. And so when he says, I am that I am the bread of life, he's saying, who do you say that I am? Am I just a prophet? Am I just uh, some sort of heavenly divine vending machine where you can get what you want or need? No, I'm God. He deserves our reverence and our worship. He deserves our heart. He deserves our followership. He's God. And so this first phrase, I am. And the second phrase, the bread. See, they were seeking physical bread. There's two words for life in Greek. One being bios, which is biological life, where we get the word biology from. This physical bread leads to physical life. Yes, that's one kind of bread in this passage. But Jesus says, I am the bread of life, or I am the bread from heaven. This is spiritual life. This is Zoe, this life that leads to eternal living, not just sustaining us day after day in our physical body, but a life that lives us on beyond this physical point. In verse 47, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came from down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I offer the world that they may live, is my flesh. Now, Jesus is talking not about biological life, but about spiritual life, about eternal life. Their eyes were attuned to their biological need and not to their spiritual need, not to their eternal need, not to their need of Jesus. He says, when you came looking for me, you came looking for me, not because you wanted to be with me, but because you wanted more bread. Because either you heard about the miracle or you tasted and saw the miracle yourself and you said, hmm, I need some more bread. I need to sustain my biological life 
another day. And how much, how often in our life are we consumed with these worries and and these cares of this world? Although our Heavenly Father knows that we need them, knows that we need to sustain this biological life. And yet, where's our heart? We see in Matthew 6, 19, this call to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy. But we spend so much time storing up treasures on earth, don't we? Getting that next car, that nicer home, that that new thing, that new toy, that great video game, whatever it is in our stage of life that is that next thing, that next status symbol, that next comfort object, that next possession that can give us status, can give us um, feelings of comfort and uh, feelings of adequacy and security in this world. We're chasing those things. And this crowd was chasing those things. 85% of their income goes to bread. They can really save a lot of money if they just follow Jesus around and bread kind of falls out of heaven or comes out of loaves and fishes. They bring him one bread, he multiplies it. That's a great system. They're looking for this bread, but they're missing the point. They're missing the bread of life. We have two cats and um, one's named Nala and one's named Simba, a little throwback to Lion King. And um, Simba loves us. I'm, I'm convinced. I know he loves us. He follows us from room to room to room. And everywhere we are, he just wants to be with us. He just wants to be pet and be near us. And if if I'm reading on the couch, he's like cuddled up beside me. If my kids are playing, um, he's there watching them and near them. Now, Nala's a little bit different. (laughs) Nala, you definitely see in the morning because she's meowing at the top of her lungs. Or if you're not getting out of bed fast enough, she'll kind of nip your ankle like very gently, but just enough to be incredibly annoying. Why? Because she wants to be fed. Now, she has hard food that's out there a lot of the time. So, you know, she's not going hungry, but she has this soft food. She's kind of bougie. She likes her soft food in the morning. And so she wants that. And so she will spend, she will follow you from room to room to room in the morning to be fed. Then you feed her. You don't see her the rest of the day. She doesn't really care what you're up to. She's doing her own thing until nighttime comes and she wants more and then all of a sudden, she's looking for you. She's calling you. She's she's following you from room to room. She's very interested in you when she needs her food again. Now, we see this mentality in Christianity. Sometimes we just call on God or we just pray when we need something. We're in a crisis mode or, or God, I don't know what, what's going to happen about this situation at work. Will you please give me wisdom? Help me. I don't know what to do. Then the situation resolves. And we go back to just doing our own thing, figuring it out. God's not on our radar. God's not no longer relevant because there's no pressing, urgent need of him that I know of. We need to be more like Simba kind of Christians where we say, Jesus, where are you? I want to follow you because of who you are, because I love you and because I know you love me and I want to be near you and where you are. Not just when I have an immediate need, Not just when I have a biological need that needs to be met, whether it's rent or a relationship or or a job or whatever it is I have need of. I don't just want to follow you when a crisis arises. I want you even when everything's calm. I want to be near you. I want to be pressing into your presence. I want to be spending time with you. And so this is a reminder 
Are we following Jesus for what we can get from him? Are we following Jesus for who he is? Are we following Jesus because we have needs that need to be met? Are we following Jesus because we realize he is the ultimate need that we have in our souls? And that's the question that these people are having to face. They're having Jesus basically asking them, like, why are you following me? He's pointing out their motives and saying, you're following me. You're looking for me. You want to be with me? Why? Because you want more bread. But I tell you, I am the bread of life. In other words, I am all that you need. I am all that is essential for living. I've heard people talk about uh, John chapter 6 and mention that if Jesus came in any other culture, it might be a different analogy. If he came to certain Asian cultures, Filipino cultures come to mind because I live with, uh, you know, (laughs) a Filipino man, my husband, and uh, I have a Filipino Filipino in-laws. And anytime you go over to their house, their rice cooker is always, always full. Always. There's always fresh rice. You open that up. There's like, you could go over there. I'm, I'm convinced at three in the morning and there'd be fresh rice on the counter ready to go. <laughs> and so it's a staple. I know I've gone places with, with my husband and he's been like, oh, uh, where's the rice? Like, I can't eat this meat or I can't eat this thing without rice. Like I need rice. It's not a side dish. It's the main course, <laughs> really. So if he came to an Asian culture, maybe Jesus would have said, I am the rice of life. If he came to an Irish culture, maybe he would have said, I am the potato of life. But for this culture, this agricultural culture he's in, he says, I am the bread of life. I am essential to you continuing to live. I I am essential. I am the main course. I am not a side dish. I am what you need to live. And so we need this bread of life. Jesus says, I'm the living bread. If you don't know Jesus today, this is an invitation. They say, you can't get along without him. You need him to survive. You need him to thrive. And he says, come to me and believe in me. Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that he is the bread of life, that he is essential, not just for our biological existence, but for eternal life, for our spiritual needs, for those deeper needs. He says, I am the bread of life. This life, this eternal life. We see, if we look back to the Genesis story, when Eve eats of the fruit, of the knowledge of good and evil, her, her eyes are open and she suddenly sees what is good and what is evil. And near this tree is also the tree of life. And God blocks them from the garden, from returning in the garden, lest they might eat from the tree of life and live forever in this state of brokenness, in this state of sinfulness, in this state of suffering. And it's interesting that when Jesus, the context of him talking about the bread of life, The reading in the synagogue that day includes the Genesis portion of them being cast out and not being able to partake of the tree of life. And here is Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. 
Those who come to me, I will not cast out. Daryl Johnson makes this uh, appropriation in some of his sermons, which are really fascinating when he goes deeply in his lectures on the bread of life, saying that in the synagogue that day, they would have been hearing this reading about Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden of being uh, losing life. Suddenly death is a true reality. Suddenly suffering and pain is a reality that they have to face. And here's Jesus saying, now I'm the bread of life. Those who eat of me will not die, but will live. He's not talking about biological life here. He's talking about eternal life. They will live forever. Have we partaken of Christ? Do we continually partake of him? See this, the verb here is a continual partaking, a continual coming to him. You don't just eat once in your entire life and then you're done, you're good. <laughs> I know there was sadly a TikToker recently who um, passed away because all she did was eat like some fruits every day and this was her lifestyle. But they said she didn't have enough nutrition. She didn't have enough nourishment in her body to sustain her and, and she died. And so similarly, spiritually, we will not be able to continue to live or to thrive unless we continually come to Christ because he is our life. Do we believe that? The Lord's Prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, that's not just biological bread, but that is in, in, the, in the Latin, it means super substantial bread. Give us the bread that satisfies us. Give us the bread that will sustain us. Give us this daily bread. Just as in the wilderness, we see this picture of the Israelites. They were hungry and they were grumbling, complaining, and God literally rips heaven open. And sends them bread every single day. And every single day they go out minus the Sabbath day. And they get a double portion on the Sabbath. They get bread. Bread to sustain them. Bread to keep living. And this is the miracle that, that is being referenced here. And Jesus saying it's not about this these sweet flaky <laughs> crusts of bread that fall from heaven called manna. Which mean, but literally means what is it? And they looked at it and said what is that? That's manna. They, they ate it and sustained them in the wilderness. But eventually they died. And he's saying, no, heaven has ripped open once more and I have come down. I am the living bread that has fallen from heaven. Just as manna came from the Father, Father God, and fell down in the wilderness and fed his people, so too he has sent me this living bread from heaven. And now you must partake of me. You must eat of me. Now, we don't physically eat of Jesus, but what we do is we we have to live Man does not live by bread alone, Jesus says when he's being tempted in the wilderness, right? But on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do we eat of Jesus's words? Do we partake of Jesus's love? Have we become one with him in salvation? Have we asked him to be our Lord and our Savior? And do we come to him day after day after day that we might feed on his presence? on who he is, because that is the sustaining power of our life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And he is your bread and he is my bread. And we have to partake of him every single day. And when we come to the communion table, we're reminded so vividly, so viscerally uh, of this truth that he is the bread that has come down from heaven. We must partake of him of his body broken for us, just like that bread is broken, that we might truly begin to live. 
Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the bread of life. And I pray, God, you know the areas where we are hungry for you. You said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So I pray for each of us that you would place a holy hunger inside of us, that we would hunger for this bread of life, that we wouldn't become so full on the junk food of this world, but God, that we would know that only you can nourish us, only you can satisfy us, only you, God, can give us eternal life. And so we pray, God, for those who do not know you, Jesus, as the bread of life, I pray that their eyes would be open, that their appetites would be open to receiving you. And for those of us who have received you in salvation, that we would receive you each and every day as our Lord, and that we would partake of your presence so that we may be sustained, that we may thrive, that our eyes would not be on the um, needs and desires of this world, but on you. In your name we pray. Amen.